welcome to PD in a Pod, where we will help you unlock the best strategies to create proactive schools. Join our hosts, Stacy and AT, as they journey through the latest professional development topics in education. This podcast will provide practical strategies for building culture, designing engaging lessons, using data to drive instruction, and developing multi-tiered systems of support for every student. Welcome to PD in a Pod, the podcast where we discuss proactive solutions to current teaching and learning challenges. I'm Stacey Owens-Helms, host and educational consultant with Proactive Ed. Thanks for joining us today as we start unpacking teaching and learning systems with author and former school administrator, A.T. Nelson. As in every podcast, you'll want to stay and listen to the very end for A.T.'s famous dad jokes. So. With that, I'd like to welcome A.T., former NASA systems engineer, school administrator, and now author of his first book, Proactive Schools, a step-by-step guide to data-driven instructional cycles. Welcome back, A.T. Thank you. Good to see you, Stacy. Good to see you again. Ready to get started with this PD in a pot? I sure am. So excited to be here. Thanks so much for joining me as we unpack some of this great learning that um, you're sharing with teachers and leaders. Today, I know we're talking a little bit about maximizing time, and we talked um, that teachers just never have enough time, and that's something we hear often when we go into school. That. <laughs> so tell me, how do we get better at this? How do, how do we make this more effective time, or what have we got to do to solve this issue, this problem? Well, I think, you know, when we think about time, time, uh, you know, I've said this before, you, really, you can't make more of it. It's finite. It is what it is. Um, but what we have learned in this in this country and even in our cultures um, we've learned how to hold how to hold things sacred um mm-hmm. that means that when you have something that you can't make more of you tend to hold it in higher esteem you know it becomes more valuable uh because you know that is all that you have of that thing um and you find religious cultures who hold and and you know certain things that are sacred to them in a different regard than they do those things that are not and right. so one of the things that we can do is to really reflect on time um, is this kind of sacred quantity. Um, there may be an infinite amount in the cosmos, but there is a finite in our lives and there's a finite amount of it in our schools and a finite amount of it that our teachers e- and students even have time you know, together. Uh, so as we think about that idea, we just begin to hold it in a higher esteem. Yeah. I like that. Um, it's one of the things I do when I'm talking with teachers and admin. It's like time is precious. It's yeah. this, you know, intangible. We we just can't waste a drop of it. I almost feel like we've got to hold it really close. So um, I just echo that so much. Mm-hmm. So how do how do we how do we use our time wisely? How do we use it to this best or highest efficiency level? What what is that that thing that makes time uh, meaningful for teachers and learners? Well, I mean, let's let's even look at the, you know, average school day. You know, when you think about the number of instructional hours in a year, I'll ask that question to a teacher's often. I'll say, how many instructional hours are there in a year? Or, you know, and, or how much in, instructional days? Maybe they can answer that better. And, yeah. and I'll say, oh, it's 180. It's 180. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then I have, to, I have to go, wait, slow down, slow down. You answered you answered the wrong question. Um, you answered how many school days there were. Um, whereas my question was, how many instructional days are there? Right. Um, And so we're defining instruction as a day where new learning goes forward or an opportunity for learning to be reviewed. 
right? Um, that is an instructional day, right? I'm learning something new or I'm going over something that I've learned before. Um, so when you get into that nuance, you have to distinguish between a school day, right? And an instructional day. You have to distinguish between even uh, school time and instructional time. And they are not, they are not the same. Yeah, uh, yeah right. I mean, can tell you, you've got field trips, you've got stuff. Assembly. Oh my gosh. Right? And we're not teaching. It's like, and I'll even hear teachers say, so when do I actually get to teach? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'll hear that. Yeah. When you begin to uh, de deduct all of those distractions, and I hate to call them distractions, interruptions, because yeah. uh, some of them you actually have to do. You have to do a fire drill, right? Um, and so oftentimes those interruptions, um, they sub subtract, right, from our from the amount of time that we could spend having kids learn something new or review something that they have previously learned. And when you look at the statistics, the statistics tell us uh, that on average, you have less than 150 hours um, of instructional time per course um, that's allocated to a teacher. Um, and when you do the math on that, and Stacy, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a math guy, that's my background, right? So it's easy to me to crank some numbers. And when I started looking at the numbers, you know, you're talking about 8,760 hours um, that are available to us over the course of a calendar year. Now, that time is fixed, right? That's all the time we have in this calendar year, and then it resets for the next calendar year. So when you take that number, 150, and you divide it by that 8,760, you end up with less than 2%. That's less than 2%. Um, of the time that has been allocated for that student to learn something new or to review material that they've already learned when you compare that to the amount of time available in a calendar year. So we literally have less than 2% of their attention. Did you hear that? <laughs> less than 2%. The other 98% of their time is spent outside of that course of study, outside of that math class, outside of that ELA class, outside of that class. And if that's the case, if that's the case, then there is no, no wonder why teachers are screaming, give me more time, uh, you know, because at 2%, at 2%, then we're asking teachers to literally maximize 2% of their time, given all of the interruptions that tend to uh, re reduce or subtract from that 2%, right? You, the 2% is fixed. That's just how much time you got. Wow. That doesn't take in consideration fire drills, assemblies, um, assessments, classroom management issues as they pop up. When you think about that, for a lot of our, 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 our instructional institutions, um, they actually feel much less than 2%, right? Like, like, even though you know that's your maximum, you don't even feel like you're reaching that. I don't want to do a podcast, it's a Debbie Downer, but I'm just telling you, we have to focus on the fact that we only have them for less than 2%. And somehow we have to figure out how to maximize that so that the impact of that 2% can actually carry into the other 98% of their life, right? Wow, I, I guess I think of those 180 days as like this luxurious calendar where we have so much time to do things. Right, and easy to do that. Down, when you break it down like 2%, all of a sudden, like you said, it's Debbie Downer, but it does feel a little heavy. I mean, I feel like I got a lot to do. Every teacher's like, when you look at your scope and sequence for the year and you think of the charge that's been given to us as teachers, you're like, I got to do that at only 2% of the time. It almost seems undoable, but I know it's it is doable. 
um, and you've seen it done, I've seen it done, but it's, it has to be intentional is what I'm, I'm guessing you're going to tell me next, that it has to really be thoughtfully planned out and executed. Well, think about it. I mean, you're absolutely right, Stacey. Think about it. If, you, if, you, if you're thinking about 180 days of instruction, it may feel right. like you have a lot of time to get things right. done. Uh, but when you're aware, when you're aware and made aware that it's really only about 2% per course, um, then you begin to rethink how you're using that time. That's why I go back to the idea of we can't make more time. However, we can increase the value that mm. we're placing on the time that we've been given. We can make it more important. We can hold it sacred so that we understand that teaching and learning has to be maximized within, within a tiny fraction of time, then how dare we ever go into that system unprepared? How dare we ever go into a classroom without having adequately prepared our lesson? How dare we go into a classroom where we haven't taken into account student needs so that we can maximize the amount of time that that student spends with us? This is a crucial part, right? This is PD in a pod. We got to get in and go fast, but we have to really, really retool what we're doing in the classroom if we're going to be able to leave that day and say we have truly maximized teaching and learning that day. We've maximized our 2%. And, and that requires, you know, like you mentioned, it requires some intentionality. It requires, most importantly, proactive systems. It requires us to really think more proactively. See, if you are in a reactionary mode, by default, you've already lost time. Think about it. The amount of time that you have to spend reacting to the scenario and coming up with your new best solution has already, you've already lost some time just in that. But if we can now look at the 2% and say, I know proactively I have 2% to work with, now I can begin to lesson plan better. Now I can begin to put systems in place for studying standards, for coming up with assessments, for using data to drive instruction, to write our lessons in such a way that they are targeted and differentiated to maximize that 2%. So it's really more than anything about a paradigm shift in the way that we think about time. I can't make more of it. But if we begin to focus our thoughts on how can we maximize that 2% that we have been given, then we can begin to put systems in, systems in place that do just that, that maximize that time. So you're telling me that our systems, our schools, our districts, making that like a sacred time, and you use the word sacred. So what would be that impact if we truly did this? What do you see happening if we, we really look at this 2% and and we impact that for teaching and learning. What, what does that look like? Explain that out to me. Well, I, I can tell you this. I mean, number one, first and foremost, Stace, I've seen it. Um, I've seen what happens when a school decides to honor teaching and learning time and begin mm. to build systems that say, in our school, the number one right. priority is teaching and learning. I know we have other things to do. I know that there are requirements that come down from the district, that come down from the state even, come from even our school administrators. But we know the primary role, the thing that we were hired to do as teachers is teach. And we're going to hold that time sacred. I've seen it when schools have taken that attitude. I told you a lot of this is not so much about the nuancy systems 
uh, components of a system that you can put in place. A lot of this is about a mind shift. And when we walk into that school building, what is our priority? What are we focused on? And if we are focused on how can we help these students perform today? How can we help them maximize their time with us today? Then we know we can go home and rest easy that we've maximized the 2%. We have schools that we have worked with that have started out in reactive mode. I mean, they have started out in a very chaotic state of mind, not having a focus on teaching and learning. And I want to be careful to say here, I'm not just talking about low performing schools, because a school that is low performing is automatically kind of put into that, you know, category of being a reactive school. A reactive school is not always a low performing school. Sometimes a school can be high performing and they just don't know why they're high performing. And they're still chaotic. They're still throwing random things out at teachers. And even though their performance is really high, but they cannot make a correlation between cause and effect. They don't understand what they're doing to get those results. They just happen to have a good crop of kids. And when you think about those teachers in those schools, yes, they like the fact that student achievement is high, but their job satisfaction is almost no better than the low performing school because they still feel like they have more to do than time allows. They still feel like there's field trips and a, a, a dozen or so distractions from what they really want to be focused in on. And let me give you this tip for those high-performing schools. A lot of times our high-performing schools are still underperforming. Watch this. A lot of our high-performing schools are still underperforming with regard to the potential that their students can actually achieve. You wow. see? They're yeah. still underperforming. They're just not underperforming according to the state uh, 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 report card, right? Yeah. Like they're not. They're not. They're not under underperforming technically according to those standards, but they're underperforming in the sense that they are not pushing students to their highest potential. I.e., <laughs> they are not maximizing that two percent. They're still not maximizing it, right? So I think we have to really rethink that because what I have noticed is those schools that have not allowed those students to uh, kind of be mediocre and stay at that baseline, but they push those students to say, when you come to my class, you will maximize the 2% that I have you every single time. You will leave with brain sweat. It's almost like our teachers have to become drill sergeants, right? And all of a sudden you see those kids walking out of there like, oh my God, I can't believe this teacher made me do this much work. But at the end of that day, at the end of that day, if they, if the teacher has done their job and the brain sweat is dripping down the student's forehead, then we know that that 2% has indeed been maximized. And I've seen, I've seen schools do it, so I know it's possible. Otherwise, I wouldn't be preaching that message to the masses. Wow. Well, you just go preach because I do think that there are some underperforming schools, schools that look good on the outside. But honestly, Absolutely. that teacher satisfaction, they sort of like going, how do I get my teaching in with all of these different distractions? So tell me, what can schools do to really implement that more proactive approach for teaching and learning? What can they actually do? When I think about the uh, the next steps here, and, and I, def I definitely want to make sure that we dedicate our time together in our PD and a pod to giving teachers and, and school leaders a one, two, three quick step, like how do you actually go in and address these issues? So if you're in a school, if you're in a school and you're noticing, oh my goodness, we are not holding instructional time sacred. We are truly not maximizing our 2%. Then there are some things that you can do um, to drastically impact that almost immediately. 
And one of the first things that you've got to do is you have to take a step back and reassess the time. Um, anytime someone uh, is struggling with a budget, maybe they're overspending or maybe they're struggling with, uh, you know, overeating and they're overweight and they're trying to lose weight or starting to start an exercise regime. One of the first things that a good coach is going to do is say, first, we got to do an inventory of what you have. We have to take a step back and take a look at what you're eating. We have to take a step back and look at what your workout routine is. We have to take a, take a step back and look at how you're spending your money. So in this case, time is uh, our currency, right? Time is our currency. So one of the first things that a school can do is to take a step back and look. I mean, look almost like a scientist looks through a microscope. Look closely at how your time is being allocated throughout the school day. And I promise you, I promise you, because I've done this a dozen times over with schools across the country, and here is what we find. We find wasted time. Did you hear me? We find wasted time. Every time we find wasted time. That means that there is time in the school day where we are actually using it on something other than maximizing that 2%, other than focusing on how to maximize that 2%. When we begin to first take that inventory and secondly have that honest opinion about it, we can begin to now go to the next step. We can now say, how are we going to fix it? How are we going to address it proactively? And that proactive addressing of it is where the change occurs, where we get leadership teams together in a room and we begin to talk about that inventory. We start talking about that wasted time and we begin to problem solve strategies and, and things that don't neglect the non-negotiables. Like I said, you have to do fire drills. That doesn't go away. How do we not neglect those non-negotiables and still maximize our 2%? What does that look like? When those leaders get in the room, I expect an ideation session to occur. I expect to see a whiteboard and a bunch of arrows and pointy lines and circles right. and thought clouds, because it's going to take leaders coming together collaboratively to look at their existing systems to figure out how they can maximize that 2%. It's going to take that. And then I always suggest, I always suggest reaching out to others. Um, there should be networks in these school systems where they can reach reach out to uh, each other's within the school district, but sometimes they need to reach out to an external consultant. Sometimes they need to bring people in to help them look at that system. It's kind of like, you know, if I'm looking at it, there are things that I can't see because I'm in it. But when I bring someone out from outside to take a look at it, they can quickly notice things that maybe I could not see, right? right. And so I would suggest any school that's looking to maximize that 2% to first do that inventory. Second, get those thought leaders together to begin to look at what where that wasted time is at and what are some strategies to fix it. And thirdly, let's get some people in there to take a look at that system to figure out how to critique it and how we can modify our, or retool the school day so that we can make sure that we maximize that 2%, yeah? Wow, that's very intentional. I love that one, two, three um, right there. And very often you don't see those little pieces in your own system, in your own school, in your own house, in your own diet plan. It almost takes that um, clear, you know, unbiased thought to go, oh, wow, there's some, there's a chunk of time here. What are we doing with it? So um, I do like that approach. It's very proactive in the sense that you just got to like pick it apart. Let's see what we got. Let's see what we yeah, got. Because we're not getting any more we're not getting any more minutes. Not, not getting any get more time. time. You know, and Stacey, I have found that schools that actually just go on a little mini retreat, so to speak, and 
and really spend this time in a very transparent and honest way, they come out of it with a much more appreciation of time. It's almost like going to church. Sometimes you got to go to really appreciate, right? Um, you know, and so here we're talking about that same thing where you got to take an inventory of your time and how it's being spent. And that by itself will help schools um, paint a clearer picture and maybe even hold in higher regard uh, time and how they're using it. Wow. I love it. I love it. And it's just getting clear. It's that, that clarity um, of a voice. Okay. That was a lot. That was good stuff, though. I appreciate it. in a pod. Maybe in a pod. So, okay, let's go with that dad joke. You got it ready? Oh, my gosh, yes. It's dad joke time, which I am so excited to uh, deliver my next dad, dad joke. So um, I'm a math guy, so we're going to do a dad joke. It's a math math problem here. Um, so there were five ants renting an apartment. Okay. And lo and behold, five additional ants joined them. So now, how many ants do we have living in the apartment? Five you ants. Now five we have ten ants. Five ants is ten ants. Okay, I'm following. I'm tracking. So now we have tenants. Tenants. But I'm pumped. Ah. We have tenants in our apartment. Yay! Ten ants. Tenants. Tenants. Okay. We hope you still will click and subscribe. You would not do that dad joke. Uh, we are so thankful that you have tuned in today. Thanks for joining us for PD in a Pod. Hope you got a little nugget away um, that you'll chew on over the week or over the time and come back and see us. As always, like and subscribe. We hope you share this content with others around you to increase teaching and learning everywhere. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Have a great day. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us for this episode of PD in a Pod. Now, head over to our website where you can access all of our podcast uploads, schedule a consultation, and check out our resources. As always, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues.